does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. We've got Jim Nagy, executive director of Reese's Senior Bowl, also former NFL draft analyst um, and uh, worked in the NFL, I should say, as the as uh, a scout for a number of years, now an NFL draft analyst. Jim, how's everything going now that I butchered uh, the intro for you? Everything good in your world? <laughs> yeah, man, everything's great. Had a, had a great week up in uh, up in Indy last week at the Combine and now just back here uh, in Mobile doing our thing. I love it, man. Um, you know, break it down for me, Jim. 18 years as a scout in the NFL. When you look back when you first started out, do you look and say, man, I was kind of messing this up. This was something that my evaluation wasn't quite right. And after years and years of experience, you fine-tuned it. If you look at that, what would be one of those things? Gosh, man, that's a there's a ton of those. Um, I got into I got my I was on the road. Uh, my first job on the road with the uh, back in the day with the Washington Redskins. I was only 25 years old, so um, mm. yeah, a lot, I've learned a lot. You know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of great takeaways in terms of uh, just learning from your mistakes, and that's part of being a good scout is kind of self scouting yourself and why why you do make mistakes. But I would say uh, you know one of them that pops to mind is is uh, with big running backs. I used to be too hard on big running backs that I didn't think ran hard or were physical. Guys that guys that weren't as physical as they probably should be. You know, when you're talking about, like, the Le'Veon Bells coming out of Michigan State and Brandon, uh, God, the, the big one was Brandon Jacobs, who ended up being a really good player for the New York Giants. Um, doing him at, I want to say he ended his career after he transferred from Auburn to Eastern Illinois. Uh, somewhere up there, and uh, man, I just would hammer those guys because they're you know Brandon Jacobs came in the day I was watching tape, and he's six foot four, and he's two hundred and sixty pounds, and he's playing at an FCS school, and he's going down on first contact a bunch. It's amazing once they start getting paid and teams can cut them, how much harder they run. So um, I guess I, I I gave those guys a lot more leeway um, if they were trying to be finesse backs in college when. Once they get paid and there's the threat of losing their job, um, they drop their pads a little more and they, they run a little harder. Hey, hey, Jim, it's Brendan. On your way out of Indianapolis, what was on your mind most about what you saw from the few days you were here? Well, I would say the biggest thing is always taking it back to our guys that were here in Mobile. We had 124 guys from the Senior Bowl that were at the Combine. So that's what I was up there to do. I mean, I was doing a lot of things. I was meeting with – Meet with uh, a lot of the teams because during our week, I, I just don't get to see my friends from around the league nearly as much. I'm, I'm kind of tied to my phone all week. So wanted to reconnect with them, but also go up there and, and support our players. But I will say in terms of you're asking me like what the most impressive thing I saw was um, is uh, at a time at a bar from from Northwestern, the defensive tackle. Um, at 282 pounds on a 44940. I mean that that racks up there. I think this was my 25th combine. That was as impressive as, as anything I've ever seen. If you put if you put at a time in the in the safety class this year, he would have been the fifth fastest safety. So, uh, you know, like I I tell folks down here, the two Alabama safeties, uh Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams ran 456 and 457. This guy's a defensive tackle, three technique, and he ran four four nine. So there were a lot of there were a lot of great performances, but uh, I'd say that one was probably the most impressive to me. 
You know, we're always talking about quarterbacks over here, Jim, because of where the Colts are in the draft. When you, as a former scout, right, when you start to analyze the quarterbacks in this draft, which one do you like the most? Uh, you know, I knew you were going to get the quarterbacks. It's funny, when they let the fans in the, in the uh, Lucas Oil the other day and the quarterbacks were throwing, uh, I can tell the uh, Colts fan base is behind C.J. Stroud if you were just base, basing it on the uh, – the applause, and that's really weird for a guy that's been going to the Combine for as long as me that we're letting fans in now. You actually hear crowd reaction after some of these guys uh, perform. But, uh, no, I know that I know they need to address the quarterback position. They've been, they've been going the vet route the last few years, Chris has, um, and they got to find a guy. If it were me, it would be Bryce Young. Um, you can't get away from the fact that there's a little bit of the roll of the dice factor with the size. Um, but I've watched a lot of Bryce. Uh, I've been to a lot of Alabama games live over the last – couple of years and watched him and he he doesn't put himself in harm's way very often he's got great feel in the pocket um he does not expose himself to a lot of heavy contact and he's just he's he he feels the game he sees the game he's very accurate um he can make plays off script he's he's what the nfl is looking for a quarterback right now outside of the size thing and, and again a lot of times you have a size concern because it you kind of tie that back to arm strength that's not an issue for bryce the kid can really throw it so they're all very different. It's a different QB class, um, a lot of different flavors. But if, if, if I were taking one, it would be Bryce Young. Jim, I realize we haven't seen Bryce Young throw. He's waiting for his pro day at Alabama. Personally, I'm on the Bryce Young train too. But for you, when people bring up his size, it, it, has that been more of a media-driven thing as opposed to people actually in situation rooms and with teams are talking about that in your mind? No, because, you know, I mean, all these guys get picked apart. And it's really hard to find a, a glaring flaw with Bryce Bryce's game or Bryce the person. I mean, he's he's really a squared away guy, like mature beyond his years. I've had a chance to spend a lot of time around Bryce over the last few years at like the Manning camp, and uh, there's a camp out in Santa Monica that I go to in the summers that Bryce has been at, and and it's hard to poke a hole other than the size thing. So yeah, that's going to get picked apart, and it's it's not just the height; it's the actual frame size. I know he got his weight up for for Indian measured over, you know, weighed in at over 200 pounds. But yeah, I mean, you can't get away from that. It's a, it's a more physical league. It's a more violent league he's going into, uh, even even from the SEC. But again, I, I had more concerns, long-term durability with, with Tua when he came out of Alabama than I do Bryce because Bryce just takes contact better. Um, he, he avoids injuries better. He, injuries have not been a problem for Bryce um, to this point in his career. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to point to something and, like, every team's trying to poke holes at this point and in uh, the size things, is, it's really an easy one and it's really the only thing you can, you can get to. He's NFL draft analyst Jim Nagy here on The Fan. What do you make of these quarterbacks, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, whatever tag you want to use, where they're, they're more of a, a project, they need a little bit more NFL fine-tuning, that sort of thing. What do you make of those QBs maybe going high in the draft? Yeah. Um, again, you talk about a roll of the dice. There's a roll of the dice there. I think both those guys, um, when you go to the tape, they leave, they leave a lot to be desired. Um, but physically, um, they're probably the two best. So, you know, they both of those guys were at the Manning camp this summer. I, I said it, you know, coming out of that event that they were head and shoulders um, better than anyone physically uh, down in Thibodeau, Louisiana in the summertime. But then you put on the tape, you look, you look at Will Levis, there's, there's a lot to like. Um, but then again, they lost at home to a, to a bad Vandy football team this year. Does a, does a franchise quarterback do that? 
You know, they got the doors blown off of them against the Tennessee football team in a rivalry game. Do, do future franchise quarterbacks have that happen to them? Uh, you know, go to Anthony Richardson. I mean, there's some uh, – I think a GM put it best. Uh, he and I were talking about Anthony Richardson probably like back in November, uh, right before the end of the season. And you could put together a, a heck of a highlight reel tape, and you can put together a really bad-looking low-light tape. So, um, you know, you're, you're totally banking on the physical tools clicking. I just think for Anthony, he, he probably needed at least at least another year of college football to get experience because the NFL is not a developmental league right now. At that position, it's basically sink or swim. I mean, look at what look at where Zach Wilson's at in his career arc right now. I mean, he's just finished up year two, and the Jets are the Jets flew to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers, and they just spent the the number two pick in the draft. So, you know, I just I, you know again, I know I, I get it when you need a quarterback, you got to take one. Um, but man, if you're just basing it off their college tape, that's that's a big jump to to watch that college tape and say that either of those two guys is going to lead the Indianapolis Colts next year. Um, that's a, that's a big jump. Jim Nagy is our guest here on the Fan Midday Show from the DriveHubler.com studio. Jim, my next question on the quarterbacks is, you know, when I was doing some research last night, I pulled up the Tennessee Florida game from this past fall. Uh, Tennessee beat Florida 38-33. Richardson was great, 453 yards. But uh, on the flip side, the quarterback that won that game was Hendon Hooker. He threw for 349 yards. He ran for 112. I believe he was down in Alabama for the senior bowl, even though he was injured doing interviews and stuff. So uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, by a lot of draft articles I've read, he may turn out to be a steal depending on where he goes. What are your thoughts on him if he can bounce back from the injury well? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've never, I mean, this was just my fifth game here in Mobile, but uh, we never invited an injured player. Hen was the first guy we kind of deviated from and because he deserved it. Um, he was, he was one of the faces of college football this year, that Florida game. Um, there was a drive late in the first half where he completed a critical third down play late and then and took a shot on it and then hit a deep ball to get him down there and marched him down for a touchdown, which really was the pivotal play in the whole game. He's a, uh, it's crazy to look at Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech and to where he came those last two years in Tennessee. I mean, just the growth in two years was incredible. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. You're hearing a lot of could he sneak into the back end of the first round right now so teams get that, that fifth-year option year on, on Hendon. Um, again, I think the age thing, he's 25 years old. I think that's really overblown. I don't think the league cares one bit about that. All these guys are playing longer on the back end of their career, so who cares if he's you know two or three years on the front end older? So I don't think that's a concern. I don't think the injury really is either for a quarterback. I think he'll be I think he'll be fine. So I do think he's going to be an NFL starter, um, but it's going to be interesting to see if he if he goes on day two or if he actually makes it there on Thursday night. Jim, I'll give you a good either or question here, bud. So you look at Lamar Jackson. He's got the franchise tag, the non-exclusive. The Ravens applied that. So he can negotiate with other teams. If you're the Colts, would you rather have Lamar Jackson, you got to give two first-round picks up, and you got to pay him a boatload? Or for Bryce Young, who you like, you're going to have to give up even more in draft capital to move up from 4-1 to one to get Bryce Young, who's obviously unproven at the NFL level. But you don't have to pay him a boatload being on a rookie wage scale deal. So which would you rather go with, Lamar or Bryce Young, if you had the decision? That is a great either-or question. I can't believe you're hitting me with it on the on the air, and I got to answer this thing in real time. No, that's uh, that that if you post that in uh, in NFL draft rooms or you know in, in a meeting with 
with, uh, you know, the key decision makers with it, with a team. I mean, that's, you can play both sides of that one for sure. Again, the economics of it, right, is, is if you're getting Bryce on the cheap for three or four years, like uh, I was in Seattle when we had Russell Wilson on a rookie contract and we were able to build up that, that defense and, um, you know, build around Russell. I mean, that's a, that's a great position to be in as a franchise. But then Lamar's the proven, he's the proven commodity. Um, I think what teams have to realize is, Baltimore went all in with Lamar Jackson, and they they built around him. They tailored scheme around him. They tailored personnel around him. So any team that takes on Lamar, they have to be prepared to do that. And uh, you know, so it's just the willingness. I mean, I think you have to be willing to do that if you're if you're the Indianapolis Colts. But no, I mean that's a now that he's out there and that and that's an option at quarterback. I think that plays into all these teams that you're hearing about could take a guy in the top ten or trade up into the top ten to take one of these guys. I mean, talent-wise, Lamar compared to some of the guys we've already talked about, um, to me, it's not close. So um, you put it out there as Bryce. I mean, I, I think I'd probably still go the Bryce route, but you're giving up a lot to get to number one with Chicago. Um, you're giving up a whole lot. So, you know, that's a that's a really good that's a really good either or question you came up with. I guess, Jim, from a sense of if the Colts wanted to go after Lamar Jackson, you just mentioned being in Seattle and being able to build the defense around Russell Wilson. Well, Lamar Jackson comes in, you can parlay him with Jonathan Taylor, but giving up those two first-round picks, could a team like the Colts afford to do that, knowing what else they need to get back to prominence right now? Yeah, I think they could. Again, I'm not trying to like sound like a homer for your front office, but man, Chris Ballard and, and Ed Dodds and Matt Turpening, all the guys up there, I mean, they do a really good job of scouting. Um, and they're going to find players at every level of the draft. I mean, some of, they've got some of the best evaluators in the league on that, Colts, on that Colts staff. So if I was them, I wouldn't let the picks determine it. I'd have confidence that we've got a really good staff and we could find players. And it, to, to secure a player like Lamar Jackson, a, a, you know, an MVP-level quarterback, I think, I think you do it. I, don't, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't let the picks dictate that. I'd, I'd have confidence in my staff that we could find players. Jim, you're the man. It was a lot of fun. What do you think you would uh, run the 40 And I just randomly thought about the simulcam where it showed Anthony Richardson, and he dusted Patrick Mahomes by about five yards, which is just insane to me. Like, if we hooked you up to a 40, I, I don't know if I'm cracking. I don't know if I'm in the fives right now, honestly. You think you're in the fives of the 40? At 48 years old, man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I know that if they did the simulcast thing with me and Anthony Richardson, I wouldn't be on the screen. Um, I, I, I think I would be far enough behind where I, I wouldn't even break the screen on him. But man, it's yeah. My 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 my. If even if I had good days, and I don't even know if I had a good day running, but um, those are way way behind me. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, we appreciate your time today, Jim. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime soon. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, thank you. There he is, Jim Nagy, executive director of Reese's Senior Bowl, also an NFL draft analyst, 18 years as a scout in the NFL. They start off so young in the NFL, Brendan. He just said he was 48. He's a scout for 18 years. He's not even 50 yet. Time to talk some count. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Shoops on the Fan Midday Show. I'm Brendan King with Brian No. We're with you from the DriveHubler.com studio. My good pal Matt Schumacher, play-by-play voice for Fox Sports, the Big Ten Network as well. All things college hoops is our guest. Shoo, thanks for coming on, my man. First thing, I was watching, I think it was the DePaul and somebody else game at my parents' place in Florida. You had an unreal uh, sport code. It's like charcoal gray, then you had the green with the white dot tie. First of all, just want to say, compliment you on the fit that night. Secondly, how was the Mohegan Sun? You just got back from the Big East Women's Tournament. First of all, I love that you now just automatically play round ball rock anytime I come on your show. <laughs> it really gets me in the mood. Um, Mohegan was great, man. We we had a we had the third most watched women's basketball game on FS1 for our championship between UConn and Villanova. UConn kind of ended up pulling away in the second half, but just a really well-played tournament. And uh, it's cool to see the growth of the women's game. We saw it a bunch here in, here in the state of Indiana, too. Uh, you know, IU and Purdue selling out both games, the one in Mackey and the one in Assembly Hall during the course of the season. So it, it, it's cool to see. And uh, Mohegan's a great venue for, for the Big East tournament. You know, when you look at the men's side here, Matt, the Big Ten Conference Tournament – when you start to just prognosticate who's going to be the last team standing, where do you even start beginning with a process like that? Oh, man, that's a great question. And I was just, before I came on here, I was refreshing myself of the Big Ten tournament bracket because, Brian, I think more than anything, that's that's what determines who's going to make it to the end. I think this league is so good this year. So it, becomes, so it comes down to matchups, right? I think... I think Purdue's got a really good road, which is what you'd expect for the one seed. I actually also think Indiana's got a pretty good road, and here's why. I think because of the way uh, Woodson's been sort of paring down his rotation, they look a little tired to me at the end of the regular season. They came off a great win against Michigan. I think it was an overtime game, but – you know, they're not getting Xavier Johnson back. Not to say that he would have made a huge difference, but it's another body. And they've basically been playing a seven-man rotation. Well, now they've got a double bye. And I think for IU, that's huge. I would not be shocked if we see a rematch of IU-Purdue mm. in the championship game. Well, that gets some eyes on it for sure. Matt yeah, Schumacher, yeah. our guest but, here on the Fan Midday Show. Uh, Shoe, Brian and I were talking about this earlier about Purdue and I brought up Big Ten tournaments of years past that sometimes the Big Ten has struggled in the NCAA tournament because they beat each other so badly in the Big Ten tournament and by the time they get to the big dance they're tired well looking at Purdue and Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer them two in particular they're playing in their first March Madness ever do you think the Big Ten tournament can help those two and in turn the entire Purdue team a little bit better just so that the freshmen like Smith and Lawyer know what to expect when they get to the round of 64? Yeah, I definitely think there's something to that for sure. Um, not to say that they haven't played in big games all year long, but I think to your point, just the fact that you're playing every day for three days in a row, and once you get to the NCAA tournament, it's quick turnaround times. The big difference, though, is that you're playing teams you've never seen before. Yeah. So the scout is a lot 
more condensed. It's a lot simpler. You're kind of going in blind. That's why I think people fall in love with those teams in the NCAA tournament that are led by juniors and seniors or nowadays fifth years and sixth years because they have seen a little bit of everything in college basketball and freshmen haven't. That said, I think Purdue, and I think I said this on your show earlier this year, Brandon, I I, I think Purdue might be better this year than they were last year. And people might say, are you kidding me? They lost Jaden Ivey. They lost Travion Williams. Like, but I, I just think they move the ball better. I think they know who they are, and they play that way more this year than maybe last year when they had so many pieces that they had to kind of work together, if that makes sense. How surprised are you, Matt, that Purdue has hit this extended skid and – what do you think their chances are to turn things around in a major way come NCAA tournament time? Uh, I, I got to say I'm a little bit surprised, but at the same time, the Big Ten is just such a difficult league. Also, Purdue being the number one team in the country, having potentially the National Player of the Year unanimously. He was named Sporting News Player of the Year earlier today in Zach Eady. You go on the road in the Big Ten, you draw everybody's best game. You draw the sellout where the people are waiting for you four hours before tip-off. Like, that gets exhausting after a while. It was kind of interesting. I was talking with Gino Ariyama before the championship game, and I'm kind of comparing apples to oranges here a little bit, but he talked about how exhausting it is to carry an expectation that's sort of ludicrous at UConn where you lose two games in a season and everyone thinks the sky is falling. Similarly for Purdue this year, I think given how good they started the year, the players that they have, Zach Eady, the coach, expectations were set super, super high, and they lose a few games at the end of the year and everyone's kind of writing them off. Uh, they're not going to go that deep in the tournament. They always fold in March. I, I don't, I'm not ready to jump on that wagon. I can see Purdue making a run to the Elite Eight, and then at that point it's who are you playing and how well do you show up on that day. Matt Schumacher is our guest, play-by-play voice, college basketball from Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network. Shoot, looking at IU, you know, Trace Jackson Davis down the stretch, the level he was playing at was just superb, and I, I just feel like he makes so many of those role pieces on that Indiana team better. Of course, what happened last year, though, you know, IU, they have to play in Dayton, then they get the doors blown off by St. Mary's. Do you get a sense that this IU team is different, that they can succeed in March as opposed to kind of cripple? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, I think I think I could definitely see this Indiana team going to the Sweet 16. I got a little nugget for you. The last time they won 12 or more games in the Big Ten was the 2015-16 season. They lost to UNC that year in the Sweet 16. Mm. They had 12 wins this year in the Big Ten, tur- in the Big Ten Conference. I think, I think Trace is 
is honestly head and shoulders better than he even was last year, and he was a really good player last year. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best players in the history of Indiana basketball, and that's saying a lot. And I, I agree. I think he's he makes the guys around him better. I think Race Thompson's effort in the NCAA tournament will come into play. He's kind of been a shell of himself since the knee injury, but he's experienced. He's been there before because of last season. And him and Trace have played together now for a number of years. And then I think when you've got a guard in the in the NCAA tournament that can score create for himself, Jalen Hitchafino has shown that he can do that. Those are the teams that I think are really dangerous in the NCAA tournament. Matt Schumacher is with us, Fox College Hoops play-by-play man, joining us here on The Fan. You know, I just think as a, a play-by-play guy, um, the players that are the most exciting for you in the Big Ten, right? Like, if you're calling the action, we always talk about Zach Eady going to be National Player of the Year, Trace Jackson Davis on that short list. And I'm not saying those guys aren't exciting, but when you get beyond the conversation of who's the best in the in the in the nation, who's the best in the Big Ten, like who are the most exciting players? Who would be like in your top three of if you're calling these games, these guys just pop when you're watching them? <laughs> Man, that is a great question. Um, I think Jalen Hood Shafino. I had a couple of Indiana games this year. He's electric, man. I mean, just whether it's whether he's up in your grill defensively or he's got room to run and, and jam one on you or take and bake and step back and drain a three in your face. I mean, he's got he's a three-level scorer. He's a great defender. He's a super athlete. Those are the guys that are really exciting. I actually also think Chase Audige, who who nobody really talks about with Northwestern, but I want to talk about him because he's a defensive player of the year this year. He is super exciting to watch because I think he really came into his own this year, uh, Brian, not just defensively, but offensively. He's a guy that when I had the Northwestern and Indiana game, I mean, he was a game wrecker, just picking the pocket of Indiana kids and going down and and jamming it on the other end of the floor. Um, You asked me to give you my top three, gosh. Now I'm on the spot and I'm forgetting names. Um, Boo Booey. <laughs> <laughs> You're sticking with the Northwestern theme? Why not? Yeah, he's good. My wife loves him, too, because of his name. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many exciting players in that conference. It's hard to just pick three because I think literally every team has at least one or two. I mean, you could even say the same for Minnesota. Even with as difficult a year as they've had, Battle, I think, is an exciting player. So, I'm kind of skirting around your your final, your your number three guy, but definitely I would put Audis and, and Jalen Hutchifino in there outside of the conversation of Edie and, and Trace. Shoe, a lot of conference tournaments getting started today, including the Big East tournament from Madison Square Garden, Butler and St. John's coming up here in 49 minutes. Uh, you know, challenging year for the Dogs. You've had plenty of their games. Manny Bates. Seems to re-aggravated his shoulder. Doesn't feel like Butler's really ever had a full unit this year. There, there literally might be one game where Butler had everybody, right? So I, I know for Thad Mata that can probably be pretty frustrating, but just your thoughts on the year that has been for Butler and 
you know, we saw Georgetown win the Big East tournament a number of years ago, and they had no business winning that. So is this going to be a chalk Big East tournament, or is somebody that kind of has to play in these early games, do they have a shot? I don't think it's chalk. Uh, this tournament, in I think, could be the most exciting and the most wide open since conference realignment. Villanova has been the favorite pretty much every year that I've been calling the tournament. Um, this year they're not, but I think they're dangerous as a six. I think UConn is a five. They might be a four. I haven't looked. I, I, I got to jog my memory. They're in the four or five game. I think they could make a run. Creighton. Yeah. Um, Butler, just to kind of go back on your initial question about reflecting on the year that was, injuries are always going to change the trajectory of a team. And you're right, uh, Brennan, they haven't had a full roster it feels like ever and even when they have been quote-unquote fully healthy when you can't practice together in the offseason leading up this is what surprised me most since I've gotten into covering excuse me the higher levels of college hoops over the last few years how important these coaches and these players feel July and August are to their success even in March because you're putting in teams plays understanding chemistry and stuff early before you've got the pressures and the stressors of playing in games, let alone league play. Butler never got that. I mean, Ali Ali, everybody thought was going to be a lethal scorer and he may very well have been, but the poor guy didn't even start the first game of the season because he was out with a concussion. So I think, I think there was a lot of hype about this year for Butler. Certainly I was excited as a former Bulldog and it, they just unfortunately got snake bitten and never really had a chance. I, I could see them. I could see them picking off the Johnnies today, though. <laughs> It'll be tough at the Garden. Yeah, 3 p.m. on a on a Wednesday. But I mean, they have beat St. John's once before this year, so you never know. That was a crazy game down the it stretches. Was. Yeah, nut, nutty game. Um, shoot, before we close out here, as we get towards Selection Sunday. Whether it's in this state or not, is there a team on your mind that is not being talked about enough? I think Creighton. They 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 would scare me if I was playing them in the opening rounds because they're not going to have a great seed line. Um, they're not. What I should say is they're not going to have a seed line that's like, whoa, watch out for Creighton. But they could be in anywhere from that six to eight is where I've seen them. If they make a run this weekend, obviously that'll change. But you get Creighton as a six seed, for example, in the NCAA tournament, as far as they went last year. I mean, they should have beat Kansas last year, and they were playing with six guys. Now, some of those guys aren't back, but a lot of them are. And then they've added a dude named Baylor Shireman. Whew. He gets hot. I mean, he's sticking logo threes like Caitlin Clark for Iowa women's basketball. So <laughs> that they would be, and I'm a little biased because I cover the league so much, but they're a team that I think people have written off just because their year has been such a roller coaster. But you guys know because you've watched this tournament long enough, it's all about who gets hot at the right time. Um, and I think they're a team that, that would definitely be scary if they get hot. Uh, last, last thing. You mentioned Caitlin Clark. Well, you just – covered the nation's top scorer and Maddie Seekers from Villanova. I did Butler Villanova women's hoops at Hinkle with uh, Garrett Butcher, former 
Butler Final Four man about a month ago, and I had never seen Maddie Seegers before. She, she had like, I think she had like four points in the first quarter, and we were like, what's going on? And then she finished with 35. We were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's back. I mean, the, I don't think she's necessarily a household name like Caitlin Clark is, but Maddie yeah. Seegers, she's going to go down. I mean, she's done. She's going to go down in the, as an all-timer scorer. No doubt. She is now the all-time leading scorer, male or female, in the Big East Conference. That is jaw-dropping. Yeah. If you look at the history of that league. But, yeah, you know, it's funny. When we were talking with coaches, as we do, at shoot-arounds before these games, asking them about Caitlin Clark, it's, it's, she's sort of unorthodox because she's not necessarily, as Gino Auriemma said, she's not like an amazing shooter. She's not an amazing this or that. She's just a bucket getter. She finds a way. You can throw three bodies on her, Gino was telling us, and she'll still find a way to flip it up, and it'll get into the bottom of the cup. And and she's done that so many times. She did it in the tournament. She's really fun to watch. And you're right. She doesn't get as much national media attention as Caitlin Clark, but certainly deserving of, of some more recognition. And I hope they make a run in the NCAA tournament so more people can see her. Matt Schumacher, a traveling man. He was just at the Mohegan Sun covering the Big East Women's Basketball Tournament. Busy guy, Fox Sports and the Big Ten, Ten, Big Ten Network taking some time with us on the Fan Midday Show. Shoot, you're the man. Always appreciate the time. Brendan and Brian, I appreciate it, man. Enjoy March. This is going to be fun. All right, brother. See there you. you go.